Well, Robert, <laughs> how are you? I, I need to go back and look at old vlogs or podcasts and see how many you've called me Robert at the beginning of. Is that really like a thing you've done and I've just been completely oblivious? It's only occasionally. Okay. Yeah. It's only occasionally. It's funny, though. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing okay, Joshy. How are you? Uh, well, tired today. Why are you tired? I just didn't get the sleep that I needed last night. Oh, Joshy. But I am excited for this theme song. So I, I need to just describe it a little bit. I'm surprised we, we've missed it. Because I think you will immediately get it. So, 90s. We didn't do a lot in the 90s, right? We did no, a lot of 80s, didn't. and then we did kind of modern. And we, did, so, and we went back to some classics in yeah. the 70s and the 60s. Okay, cool. I think you'll get it immediately. 90s has some really good ones. Well, and it's... When I played it again, I went, yeah, this is a unique one. Because, and I don't want to give it away, but I'm going to say this anyways. I'm almost positive that the star of the show is singing the theme song. But it's a it's like when I hear the song I go, huh. why was this theme song for this show? That's really cool. I, I, they don't like oh, they don't match? Well just the lyrics of the sh- of the theme song are I need to like <clears throat> do a deep dive into why they picked this song. It's it's cool though when the like when one of the actors or actresses on the show sings the theme. Absolutely. Yeah, I like that. But you don't automatically realize it's that actor. Gotcha. But you can hear it if you if you really once now I've said it, you'll hear it. So let's just let's just play this thing. Yeah, let's do it. Oh my god, it's good good volume here. Oh now we're whispering. Baby, I hear the blues are calling, toss salads and scrambled eggs. Oh my gosh, yes, Frazier. <laughs> and but I got you pegs. This it's coming back. Remember I teased it out recently? And scrambled eggs. They're calling again. It is a very unique thing. That's one of the most unique theme songs there is. Isn't it? And you're 100% right. That's Kelsey Grammer singing it. Yep. And <laughs> kudos on now. Like, <laughs> you're a thousand. I've never thought of it before. But you're right. I, I don't know if there's ever been a theme song that had so little to do with the actual show. That's so random. Toss salad and scrambled eggs. Oh, baby, I hear the music playing toss salad and scrambled eggs yeah and if you seem a bit confused well maybe i've got you pegged <laughs> I mean, even the lyrics don't make sense so did you watch fraser yeah, yeah. well not religiously but mm-hmm. yeah i was a you know we, we were both huge we, we cheers had fans to. yeah huge cheers fans and uh and fraser is a great character i honestly think fraser is um a better character in Cheers than he is actually in his own show. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's so he's more um, neurotic. Exactly. In Cheers. 
Totally. They, they kind of, yeah, they toned down the neuroses in Frasier, uh, in the show Frasier. But, uh, yeah, and the, his dad is, um, forget who played his dad. Yeah. Famous actor. What's his name? Mul- Mulvaney? No. Yes. Yes. Mulvaney? John? John Mulvaney? Something like that? John something. Anyway, it's David really, Hyde Pierce really as the brother. It down. John something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, John. John. Well, and I remember they always, they he had this great apartment where <laughs> looked out on the Seattle skyline. Yeah, yeah. Um, he and Niles always drank sherry. Sherry Niles, as he walked in, I still am not really sure what sh- sherry S- is. Like, they did a good job really emphasizing just how snobby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Frazier and Niles really were. Yep. Uh, and well, and the, the dad was the total total opposite, which was which was really which worked. Yeah, it absolutely. worked for the show. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, but it's also like if you've ever seen an interview with Kelsey Grammer, like it, there is so much of him in Frazier, and so much of Frazier in him. Oh yeah? yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Like. The like actor and character seem to be made for each other. Lilith Stern and Crane. I remember watching that episode where she came back. Because um, you know, they they had that great relationship in Cheers. You know what bothered me though? What always bothered me about that show is that he was he was living so far away from his son. Hmm. Where was his son living? With Lilith. Yeah. In Boston? Boston or someplace. Yeah, like he just moved across the continent and didn't just leave Lilith. He left his son when he did. I don't remember that at all. And yeah, that, I was, I always kind of was like, yeah, I really don't like that about your character. Yeah. And I don't like how they treat that dynamic of his life. So Mm. I minimalistically. (laughs) That's interesting because I didn't like that he left all of his friends. At Cheers. Mm. Then he moved across the country. No, and that wasn't didn't bother in me. relationship it with was, them anymore. It was the son. Yeah, I was I, totally okay with him leaving his friends. Yeah, I was. I was not okay with him leaving his son. Do you know that I played Frazier in high school in a school play? For real? Yeah, yeah. Did an just an amazing job. I just. I'm sure you nailed it. I just exuded. Can you can you give me a little Frasier taste? Can you give us? Good can you gosh, give us a taste? No. Do you even remember what like what was the play about? It was about this was my high school theater class when I was a senior, and we. And for those who don't know, Joel went on to major in um, theater production. No, or TV, TV video production. production. Yeah, but a related field, sort of. Not really. I did not dabble in the theater arts at all except for this class which was fun and so we were as a class struggling to figure out what we were going to offer as our production and so we decided to our play was going to be about a theater class that was struggling to figure out what to do and so we'd have these dream sequences where we'd say what if we reenacted cheers and then we would do a little uh, Cheers skit because this was this was ninety two ninety three when Cheers was coming to an end. It was yeah, at its height. It was really. Yeah. Um, and then we had a couple other dream sequences that I can barely remember. But in our Cheers <laughs> dream sequence, I was Frasier. 
I don't remember anything else, but uh, that I got to play. Were you wearing a tweed jacket with the elbow <laughs> patches? And oh my gosh, no, no, I can't remember. That's cool. But I remember playing Fraser. Can I call you Frage? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to it, Pastor Rob. Let's. Uh, so we are in the midst of our Lenten sermon series, Less is More. We're talking about sin and confession. Our goal, which we are trying to accomplish here, is to not... You okay? Okay. Yeah. Same cover right there. Yeah. We're striving to not... Um, in this series, condemn or to judge, not point to the sins of others instead of recognizing our own. And ultimately, we're trying to get to um, an understanding of sin and confession that leads us to healing and wholeness and living into who God invites us to be, desires us yeah, for us to amen. be. Well said. Um, and so <clears throat> we. This past Sunday, started talking about um, less idolatry, more clarity. Mm-hmm. And we explored the story of the probably ultimate idol story in the Bible. Classic. <laughs> uh, of the Hebrews literally building a golden calf. Um, a golden they, cow, yeah. As they were in the wilderness, Moses was up at Mount Sinai. He's not coming down. He would, I think, if I remember correctly, he'd be up there for days, weeks at a time. Just, they start to wonder. He was getting the Ten Commandments, right? I mean, that's what he was doing. Up yes. Well, he, I think um, he... Among a whole bunch of, like, the whole law. He God up, was giving Moses the whole law. He went up a few times, I think. I think it was not just always this moment. No, this is Exodus 32. So Exodus 20 yeah, you're right. is when he receives the law. But he'd been getting the law that whole time, I think, from Exodus 20 all the way through to 32. Well, he walks down. Doesn't he walk down in Exodus 20 with the commandments? I think he walks down in Exodus 32 with them. I don't know. No, no, no. Well... Folks, we're going to talk about this later. (laughs) Anyways, um, the Hebrews get a little frustrated. um, I think he does walk down. You're right. That Moses is... Just to clarify. Thank you. You're right. Thank you. We've got... We found some clarity on this uh, discussion. Um, And they get a little frustrated, anxious, and... um, Fearful. They're they're afraid. Yes. Yes. And I think they're still trying to figure out who this mysterious presence is in God. Yeah, who is this this thing, this entity Moses calls Yahweh? Yahweh, yes. Yeah, yep. uh, I am who I am. And uh, so we, in the English vernacular, call, it, call, call this God. Uh, Hebrews call this the Lord. Um, but the yeah. Lord is really um, the the pseudonym yeah. that they give for Yahweh because they think the name they believe the name Yahweh is too sacred to say aloud, so they substitute the Lord for it. So you're, you're exactly right. They don't the Hebrews at this point still don't really understand who 
the Lord is. And for that matter, you know, they don't know where they're going still. This promised land, this journey that they've been on yeah. for, for decades now. Where are they going and when are they going to get there? And then Moses has taken forever and they get to the point where like, well, gosh, th- this dude's not coming back. So yeah. how are we going to get to this supposed promised land? We need something. Yep. So they go to Aaron and say, make us a god. Yeah. We want to actually see this god. We want to touch it. We want to feel it. We don't it, want a cloud moving before us. Absolutely. Yeah, we want absolutely. To, yep. We want to touch it. Yeah. Yep. So they take their gold earrings, melt them down, and produce this golden calf, and they worship it. And so comes the first commandment. Um, you shall have no gods before me. The second commandment. Um, you should not make an idol, um, an image, other, and put that. Which are really um, very interrelated, right? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And so we've talked about idolatry as anything that we put in front of God, put before God, that we give ourselves to, that gives more, that takes more of who we are. Right. Um, anything that comes before <clears throat> God is idolatry. Yeah. Most Christians who know this story really just know it as, you know, okay, so they made a golden calf and they worshiped the golden calf. But there's a little bit more to it than that. So they Aaron may Aaron is Moses' brother. He makes the golden calf. But think about this for a second. This is how they make the calf. They collect all of their gold, which even then was an incredibly valuable and important commodity. So they make this idol by taking everybody's gold. Yeah something incredibly important and valuable, and they form it into the image of a young bull, a calf. Then Aaron declares that the next day will be a day for this new Lord, and they begin to venerate it. They, they begin to worship this hunk of metal, and the way in which, one of the ways in which they, they worship it is they literally bring it offerings and sacrifices. Yeah. So they bring this golden hunk of metal things that were incredibly important and precious to them and remember there are people that have been on this exodus journey so they haven't had an opportunity to collect or gather or or grow very much if anything at all so what they what they have is what they had largely in slavery in Egypt mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is not a wealthy or prosperous people at this point but they still bring this hunk of metal, what little they had. Yeah. And that, that I think, is very telling uh, when, when you read that portion of Exodus 32. Uh, it's, a, it's a tiny little detail until you realize what it means for these people to be making such significant sacrifices for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many animals did they actually have? And they're, here they are sacrificing animals for it. How much did they actually have to give as an offering? And yet they're still giving it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I think that's an important connection to make because we certainly don't worship hunks of metal, very obviously. Sometimes I guess we do. Mm-hmm. But uh, we absolutely give what we value over to things other than God. Yeah. And we make tremendous sacrifices for things other than the values of God's kingdom, meaning yeah. love and grace and peace and joy. 
uh, we make tremendous sacrifices for things that are frankly opposed to the values of God's kingdom, like greed and envy and, you mm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so the idea on, that we explore on Sunday was really that that facing up to our idolatry is really facing up to to something that is pervasive and common within all of us, but we just really struggle to find it. We struggle to see it. Yeah. And you, I thought, were very vulnerable in offering a great story from your own journey of what this idolatry can look like um, when it's not uh, literally physical. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it had me thinking more about it. I've been thinking about it still um, because the, even talking about idolatry is difficult in, in that once you kind of pull that thread, where do you stop? Mm. Right? I mean, like, there's just so... Like, I just jotted down a couple things earlier today just of my own where I could easily <laughs> describe each one. So money, fitness, sports, popularity, status, work, church... Like once you actually pull that thread a little bit, and this is the challenge of talking about idolatry, is. is there are so many areas of our lives. Like for, for me, it's not where am I idolatrous; it's where am I not. What are the, oh wow, that's a great way of putting it, Joel. Where are the areas that I just <clears throat> naturally kind of put before God? Before my relationship with God, what what do I prioritize there? Yeah. Yes. And because if there is something, then then this is why it's so uncomfortable, but so important. If there's anything that you put before your relationship with God, you know, like it or not, that's called idolatry. Mm-hmm. Um, and and folks watching or listening know that we say that, readily confessing that yes, we engage in idolatry ourselves. We recognize it um, sometimes, but the the other struggle is that most of the time we don't recognize it. Um, And the times that we do recognize it are usually when the idolatry has pulled us so far away from our truest self or the life that we really are intended to live that we suddenly kind of look up and say, whoa, what happened? And how did I get here? Yeah. And when you reassess, then you begin to realize, oh, I was chasing this mm. other than this. Yeah. Meaning I was chasing this idol other than the values of God's kingdom. Yeah. 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 Which is why we have talked about, we're talking this, this series is about sin. Simultaneously, it's also a series on the need for honest confession and reflection and the opportunity that confession conveys right yeah this is why it is we believe it's healing and it's restorative um it's we all sin like this is not about punishment or condemnation or judgment it's about stating the obvious frankly but also not being afraid of the obvious so don't be afraid of admitting where we are idolatrous but instead looking for it so that when we're blessed 
and I mean this, when we're blessed with the opportunity to see it and perceive it, yeah. right? Yep. Because most of the time we're blinded to the idolatry. But when we're blessed with the opportunity to see it, oh my gosh, what a great opportunity that is. So you can step back, reassess your priorities, and return to a truer sense of who you are and the life you're called to live. Yeah. You know, the the Sunday examples that I gave were was the pursuit of popularity at all costs when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And even in my young adulthood to my middle adulthood, the pursuit of, you know, the six pack and the 32 inch waist um, and the amount of time and money I have spent in the realm of fitness mm-hmm. um, is honestly a rather frightening frightening amount of time and money and that's why we're talking about this sermon goes in that direction because it's it's often these areas of our lives that are good yeah and healthy yeah fitness is good yeah we it's very healthy to care for your body but how quickly you can go down that slippery slope where it starts to come before everything else i have you know you have six hours of free time in the day outside of a regular working day right in the morning to the to Mm -hmm. the evening you know, how are you spending that? Where is your attention being directed? Um, what What is consuming you? Yeah. You know? Um, and for some people, that's work, right? There are times I'm absolutely consumed by work. Mm-hmm. And, so, and then it's, you know, step back and be like, whoa, work is way too central in my life right now. Yeah. And yes, even though we're pastors, yeah. you know, yes, like there's there's a healthy ba- balance. That's why I put down popularity, status, work, church. Yeah. Church can come before <coughs> I like that you did God, that. Yeah. Um, for, especially for pastors. But for anyone, yeah. really. I mean, how often do, do we actually worship? Mm-hmm. Not altogether often. Mm-hmm. Um, we have prayerful and worshipful moments, to be sure, but but yeah, I, you know, what's at the center of our lives? For a lot of pastors, it would be something like church growth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And church growth is a great and wonderful thing, but it's not God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. It's not God, and that's the problem. God yearns to be at the center of our lives. Uh, God yearns for us to love God the way God loves us, so unconditionally, so so pervasively. I mean, there's not a piece of our lives that God's love doesn't flow into. I think that's part of the clarity that we talked about, too, of... Less ideology, more clarity. So be able to see the sneakiness of idolatry and how it pervades so much, but also how it ultimately doesn't it doesn't fulfill. It doesn't get to what you're hoping it will get to, even though it's good, right? Yeah. Career is good. Yep. Um, uh, sports. Can be, are great. We both are huge sports fans. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I think that's where the commandment comes in. That's what I hear when I hear these commandments. Of and it's taken me years and years to hear them in this light of of not this 
kind of finger pointing at me, but mm-hmm. this constant invitation of everything else that you do is not going to fill you up. It's not going to bring you this life that I, God, invites well us into. So well said. And so that's why we need these limits. Yeah. They only go so far. And that's what confession offers us, is the opportunity to reassess all of that. As much as we can grow this church, we you know, or as much as we don't, you know, the size of a church doesn't define the pastor. The mm-hmm. amount in the bank account doesn't define the person. The, you know, the waist size doesn't define who you are. Your mistakes don't define... You know, it's all... Mm-hmm. What is sitting at the center of your life... Um, and if it's anything other than God, whatever it is, it doesn't have the ability to, to define and fulfill you the way God does. Yeah. Well said. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week.